And so our Sunday sermons are going to be connected to that. And so I'm thinking, okay, so for the first sermon of 2018 for our region, going off this book, what what do I want to talk about? (laughs) Well, when I thought about the the days that we've read up to this point, because it's been about two weeks into it, there was one phrase particularly that Peter was quoting Leviticus that really seemed to stick out. And I think it's an incredibly, incredibly challenging command. You know, we all know a lot of commands from God, right? Like, what are some commands from God that you're like, yeah, this is a challenging command of God? What are some commands? Okay, well, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that. You jumped ahead, but that's okay. Yes. Do not worry. Do not worry. Is that a command? Yes. So if you're worrying, are you disobeying? Yes. Okay. Love your neighbor was one out there. That's easy when your neighbor's friendly. What about when they're not? Okay, what else? Love your enemy. I mean, okay, some other commands. Challenging commands of God. Be complete. Not just be humble. Be completely humble. I'm just challenged by be humble. But completely? What does that even look like? Okay? I mean, we could go on and on. There's some crazy commands. But I absolutely believe... The most challenging command in the Bible for us as followers of God, as believers in Jesus, is be holy. I mean, think about that, guys. Be holy. That's a command. Which means if you're not, at any point in your life, in any moment of your life, you're in disobedience to God. I don't know about you, I'm scared. Be holy. It's just because I am holy. So let's look at the text that David did steal, but actually none of us stole it because Jesus had it first. So, so okay, so 1 Peter 1, verse 13. I appreciated what he did, though. He gave us the context that preceded, therefore. It says, With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you, when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Let's stop there for a minute. When we become disciples, when we're forgiven of our sins, do we receive grace? Yes! But do you have complete grace yet? According to this, no. He says you're hoping for a grace that will be revealed at His coming. And it's referring to His final coming. Because it's to the whole world. Okay? What's that grace? And see, I think this really fits into this concept of being holy. God is the only one who can make us holy. And we're going to get into that in a little more detail. And i got a, a cool video from the Bible Project that defines this. He did a, such a good job, I don't need to do it. I'll let him do it. Okay? But the reality is, even though we're made holy, guess where we still live? In a world that is unholy. We get tarnished. We get tainted. We get dirty feet. There will be a day where you will never be made unclean again. There will be a day where there will be no forgiveness needed because the grace is complete. You will sin no more. You will be holy as He is holy. Who's looking forward to that day? Yeah, we've got to get excited about it. In fact, it says, you've got to hope for this. Now that's hard when you're unholy. Let's just be honest, right? When you, and you know when you're unholy. You know, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know when I'm unholy. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's not godly. It's not like Him. And it's hard to hope 
in that moment. Right? But He just told us to hope. Is it conditional based on where you're at? No. Hope in this grace that is coming. So we have grace already in Christ, but there's a greater grace. There's a more complete grace. That's exciting to think about. So, So as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. We don't like to admit when we have lived in ignorance, do we? We don't like to admit we don't know something. A lot of young people especially. I know, I know everything. What are you talking about? Trust me, the older you get, the more you realize you don't know. you got lots of knowledge in there, but you know less. And it gets all jarbled and you start to miss where it's placed, that kind of thing. Okay? we got to take this stuff seriously. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Okay, it's like that be completely humble one. Just be holy was challenging enough. Now it says be holy in all you do. When you're taking out the trash... Be holy. Think about that for a minute. Any kids here have your parents say, take out the trash? Question, are you holy when you do it? I'll take out the trash. That's not holy. I mean, if we're holy in doing that, we're like, man, this trash is like me. That's what I am. I'm garbage without God. But man, I get to take it to the trash can because the Lord has made me holy. I get to get rid of it. Yes, thank you, Lord. I put the trash away. I I don't know what it means to be holy taken out of the trash, but it says in all that you do. Brushing your teeth. Be holy. I got teeth. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, when you really start to take this to heart, in all that you do? We do a lot, right? How about when your spouse hurts you? Be holy in how you're going to respond to that. Is that would that include in all you do? Roommates, singles. Someone doesn't clean the dishes as you've discussed. Be holy. Do I need to go on? Are you starting to get it? Yeah. Hey, it's, it's easy to come in here, worship God, and be holy. That's easy. But it says, be holy in all that you do. Wow, I, I'm getting very challenged by that command. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. You know, what is this Greek word, hagios? What does it mean? What does this being holy mean? Well, here's the definition. It says, separate from common use and condition. In other words, it means otherworldly. Like you're not of this world. That is really a description of what it means to be holy. God is not of this world. He's holy. He's so far above it, we can't even compare. It means dedicated. To be made holy means you are set apart, set aside, dedicated, consecrated, sanctified for use in His will, not yours. Love that song that Katie did. Not my will. To be holy means we're doing His will. 
Be holy in all that you do. Everything you do, is it your will or God's will? That's one way of being holy in all that you do, is that everything you do is for His will, not for your own. It means hallowed, pure, righteous, ceremonially, ceremonially or ritually, or in terms of morals. This is why sin is such a dangerous thing for us as disciples. When we sin, we are made unholy. We are made unclean. Now, because of Jesus, we can continually be washed. But if you've never been made holy, you can't be holy. That's the reality. If you look through the Scriptures, there's no way anyone of their own power or their own deeds can make themselves holy. It's impossible. So why would God call us? Because He called it in Leviticus. Peter's quoting Leviticus. Be holy. How? You have to submit to God making you holy. Only then do we then play a part in our own continual holiness. And that's where this whole idea of aliens and strangers comes from. How important is this holy? I mean, it's in the Bible a lot, over 500 times. I think 547 in the NIV. That's a lot of times, right? A lot of times connected to the Holy Spirit, which can't come into you if you're unclean. Right? You have to be washed before the Spirit can be given. So we see this connection of the Spirit and holiness being otherworldly, not of this world anymore. That, that's, that's what He's commanding us. So how important is this holiness? Well, look at this passage in Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. It's almost like a, a secondary thing. Yeah, guys, you, you have got to get along with each other. Oh, and by the way, be holy. Wait, isn't the holier one like more challenging? Or maybe the f- whole point is if we're not willing to work at each other's relationships, you're not going to have any success in being holy. Because if we're going to be holy like God is holy, how does God treat us? Not the way we deserve. Right? So how should we treat each other? Not the way we deserve. We should be treated like God treats us. That's challenging. Be holy in all that you do. And then it says this, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This is the sad state of Christianity, I believe, in the world today, as many claim Christ, but do not see God at all. Because there's no holiness. There's not a purity. There's not a standard of being otherworldly, being different. You only have to look at the last few months, all the sex scandals, and many of these are claiming Christians. They don't see the Lord, guys. And nor will we. If we allow sin to continue in our life, be holy in all that you do. Would that include purity between men and women? <laughs> yes. Would that include our relation between our spouses? With our children? With our households? Guys, be holy in all that you do. If we're not holy, we will not see the Lord. Have you ever felt like, man, I just don't feel like I see God? There's a reason. It probably has to do with you, not God. There's probably some unholiness going on, and that's why it's become fuzzy. But only God can make us holy. And yet He still commands us 
be holy. How is that possible? See, we have a problem, do we not? So, rather than me trying to go through all the Bible, because there's a lot, let's go to the Bible Project, and this is for those who are hearing it on tape, Bible Project theme, holiness. Let's watch it. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So, God is holy because He's long and perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further, in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. Hmm. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear. And God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. In fact, that intensity of God's holiness is explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place, the hot spot of God's presence. Hmm. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop, though. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple, and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. Totally. So it flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable, because 
normally, if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah, and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. And the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development, this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple, and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream, and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? We don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a, a woman with chronic bleeding, or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness, and that he and his followers were now God's temple, so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now, but... Where is this all headed? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. This time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. Hmm. That was well done. That saved me some time. <laughs> Appreciate that. And I think it's very clear, guys, that there's nothing in our own power that we can do to get our initial holiness. None. And, you know, if you look to the, the book of Haggai, there was actually a question proposed to the priest who understood a lot about holiness, about ritual purity, and all the rules of Levit Leviticus. And they asked him, if you touch something... That's consecrated. In other words, made holy. Does it make you holy? The answer is no. What if you touch something that's contaminated, impure, unclean? Does it make you unclean? Yes. That, that ought to sober us for a minute. Because sometimes we can have this idea as a Christian, I can go to an impure world and I can make them clean. No, you cannot. In fact, the more you're with them, the more they're going to make you unclean than you're going to make them clean. We have to be otherworldly, aliens and strangers. It's the whole concept of holiness. So we've got to be careful. Having too high of a view in ourselves, our holiness can only come from God. Yet once He has made you holy, He now expects you to do something about continuing it. That's crazy. Now, I know there's some here in this room, you might be confused. Well, how do I know I've been made holy? That's a great question. If you go to Leviticus, at the end of the day, the holiness could only come about by the shedding of blood. 
So how does that apply to us today? Well, that's a whole other sermon and a whole other study. But if you're interested, ask someone who brought you here today. Ask them, tell me, how can I be made holy? Don't leave without asking it. Because you can't make yourself holy. None of us could. And none of us ever will be. Only God, through Christ and His teachings, His teachings, not man's teachings, His teachings can help us to know how to be holy. But for those of us who have been made holy, praise the Lord! But we still live in an unholy world. And our feet and our hands and our eyes and our hearts and our souls and our minds get dirty. So that's why God commands us, be holy. Well, what do I do then? Well, let's go back to that passage, but I'm going to read a different translation just to kind of change our thinking a little bit. Because sometimes you read a passage, you go, I know what it's saying. Sometimes reading a different translation can trigger new thoughts. Okay, so I'm going to read the New Living Translation. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back. That's the old backsliding, if you ever heard that phrase. Into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. His desires, not your desires. That's the key. You didn't know any better then. Which is implying you do know better now. Don't forget that part. But now, because of what He's done, You must be holy in everything you do, just as God chose you is holy. For the Scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. So did you catch it? What can we do to be holy? Well, let's look at the first one. Prepare your minds for action. Notice it didn't say prepare your hands for action. It didn't say prepare your feet for action. It didn't say even prepare your heart. For action. Prepare your minds. In other words, holiness does not happen by accident. It takes planning. It takes preparing. It takes being educated on holiness. It takes being informed on holiness. Prepare your mind for action. When you got up this morning, did you prepare yourself to be holy in everything you do? As you meet someone, have you prepared yourself to be holy? Yeah, we know there's those who are single, they have love interests. You, you, you want a boyfriend, maybe you want a girlfriend. Not all singles do, and praise God to them. But if you do, campus students, teens, the question is, are you preparing your mind to be holy? Or are you pursuing that relationship for your own sinful desires? This is not me asking, God's asking. Are you preparing your minds for action? Do you go into that relationship putting up all the boundaries necessary to prevent sin? Because that sin will destroy you, the other person, the church, and it just begins to spread. And we've got to take it seriously. Be holy in everything I do. It's really not that hard, guys. It really isn't. I was impure in every relationship I had before Christ, no matter how hard I tried. But my relationship with Leanne, it was pure. All the way to the altar. 
Why? Because of me? No. Because I knew I would fail if I did it the way I always thought to do it. And it was really just two simple things that helped us be pure all the way. Number one, never ever be alone. Let's see. Let me look back at my other relationships. Impurity in my relationships. So what was this situation? The environment all was alone with them. Closed door, stopped car, dark out, no one around, no public seeing. Yeah, that's the problem. So if I just never ever let myself be alone, could I be holy? So should I prepare my mind for that as I go into that relationship? Like, I want this to be holy. This is God's precious daughter. It's the princess. He's the father. I'm going to have to ask his hand for hers, but he knows what's in my heart. I better be prepared to be holy. Second thing is, get her home before midnight. Because I don't know what it is about midnight and after. It's just dangerous. You're, you're laughing, but those of us who are older who have been there, we know this is true. Those are really, those are really if you want to ask me, what helped us? It was those two things. If I was going to throw in a third, it would be this. We prayed it every day. Because it's hard to pray if you've crossed any boundary. And there were times where we're like, we didn't sin, but we felt like we were getting close. And we felt it as we're praying, like, okay, we need to talk. What do we need to change? Let's talk to the couple about this. Let's see what they think. Let's get their input. They know better than we do. And we took the advice. Be holy. Prepare your mind for action. Spouses! You have something you need to unload on your spouse. They're not prepared for what you're about to unload. They're not mind readers. Let's just get that out there. Okay? Are you prepared for them not to be prepared for what you're about to unload? Be holy. I'm just trying to give random and different examples, guys. Students! I know you're starting a new term, but, you know, tests will come. Are you prepared to be holy? Oh, I didn't do the reading. I'm really tempted to look at the answer from the other student. Be prepared to be holy. See, guys, being holy does not happen by accident. It takes forethought. Amen? Second thing it says, exercise self-control. Now, here's the thing about self-control. No one can do it for you. That's why it's called self-control, not other control. It's funny, though. I will blame people. Well, I just fell... It's like it's my fault? Am I supposed to control your purity? Am I supposed to control your anger? Am I supposed to control whether you're loving or not? Self-control. Does that happen naturally? No. You have to train it. But you can. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, when you've already been made holy, God's actually... Because He's not going to ask you to do something you can't do. So if he's now telling you, because he's saying it to believers who've already been made holy, exercise self-control, what does he believe you can do? So stop finding excuses. And start believing that you have the power from God to exercise self-control. But I will say this, it's a lot easier to have self-control with other people's help. Does it not? Try self-control with diets. Tough, right? But no one's around. And that cookie's just right there. 
when there's other people, yeah, I'm on a diet, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It, it does help to have other people in their life. Hope in your future salvation. Guys, I, I don't think we take hope serious enough. We've got to hope in our future salvation. You go, but Derek, I've already blown it, I'm already unholy. Amen. Ask forgiveness. Repent. You're washed again. Let's move on. Let's hope about that ultimate grace where you're not going to have to worry about being holy anymore. Okay? Because you will be made holy completely. How cool is that going to be? You get to actually walk into the sun, literally, and not die. That's an exciting day. I can't wait to see what that's like. That's going to be amazing. It says, be obedient children of God. We have to remember we're children. And our Father knows best, as much as we hate that. Even in real life. <laughs> Mom knows best. Yes, they tend to, actually. Be obedient children. Obey. But if you don't know what God's asking you to do to be holy, can you be obedient children? No. you got to know the rules. That's something good for parents, by the way. Don't expect your children to obey something you never told them. It's really hard for them. We've got to be very clear. Amen? And then the last one. Don't backslide. That's really what it was saying. And how do we backslide? You start to satisfy your own desires rather than God's. It's, just, it's that simple. Anyone here ever backslid? It's easy, right? And the reason is, is because we got our heart, our focus, our desires off pleasing God to pleasing ourselves. That's it. That, it's just you turn. That's, that's the only thing that went wrong. Do we have the power with God and with each other to keep our eyes and heart and focus on pleasing God? Yes! But we've got to want it, and no one can do it for you. This command, be holy, it's be holy. And you can't excuse anyone else for why you weren't. When you stand before God and He says, Okay, I asked you to be holy. How were you? Well, this brother didn't really help me. He didn't really call out stuff. That's not going to work. This is a command to you. You can't blame the church. You can't blame the leadership. Ha! <laughs> now, I'm held in greater judgment as a leader, period. But not for that. Only you can be holy. I can't make you holy. You. It's your responsibility when you leave this room. You can't look at anyone else. Well, I'm not holy because... No, it's because of you. It's going to be up to you to be holy. Train yourself to be godly. That's another biblical phrase. But we don't have to do it alone. But no one can do it for you. But it sure is helpful when you have brothers and sisters next to you who have that same desire. Guys, we need each other desperately. Amen? What's interesting is this idea of being holy. Peter now goes on the very next verse and gives us a different analogy. To help us understand what this being holy about is as a Christian. Verse 17. I'll read the New Living Translation. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what your brother did. What your sister did. What your city group didn't do for you. It's not in there, right? What you do. Hmm. I got to take that too. What I do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here 
as temporary residents. The other scriptures, NIV says, as foreigners. The CSB version says, as strangers. Now do you see this reason, the title of aliens and strangers? That's another analogy of what it means to be holy as Christians. See, before we were made holy, we were foreigners and aliens to God. Once God makes us holy, now we're foreigners and aliens to the world. Anyone here an alien? You're not from America? Okay. Okay. Just, just in terms of natural blood. But as Christians, guess what? We should all have our hands up. Anyone here aliens? Are you proud of it? We should be. Now, for those of us who have been a foreigner, we know what that's like. I remember as an American, not speaking a lick of Russian, going to the Soviet Union, I was a foreigner. I stuck out. The KGB followed us. It was very clear. But I was there for a very specific purpose. I wasn't there to become Russian. That wasn't my goal. I was a foreigner there to help them become foreigners to Russia. To become aliens and strangers. Now, to do that, I had to go there. I had to be in the world. And I had to learn something of it. I had to learn Russian. That's going to help me connect with them, right? But if I tore up my American passport and I stopped going to the the planting of the church, I've lost my whole purpose for being there. I could become a Russian. I could take on that citizenship. Is that what we're doing spiritually? That we're in the world so much that we've actually torn up our passport? That we've gotten so known of what the world's like in in, in the justification of we're trying to relate to it? That now we've actually become a citizen of it again. That's what he's done. This is what about being holy is about: is you can't go back. You are a foreigner. You are a temporary resident because there's a much greater place we're going. That's going to last forever, and you have to be pure to be there. Passes in Isaiah calls it the way of holiness, and anything unclean cannot walk on it. We've got to be holy. We've got to be an alien and stranger if we want to get to that home. That's quite a different view of being holy, is it not? Do you ever feel like out of place as a disciple in this world? Good! Because that's how we're supposed to feel. We're here for a temporary purpose. It's to help them give up their citizenship and to be added to God's kingdom. Look at this passage in Ephesians 2.19. We were foreigners and aliens to God before Christ made us holy. But once He made us holy, look what it says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. And in the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him too you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. We were foreigners and aliens to God. Jesus made us holy. Now we're foreigners and aliens to the world, but not to each other. We're meant to be that one holy temple. In other words, he's telling you guys, okay, I know I said be holy. It's going to be tough on your own. So I'm creating something to help you. 
It's called the church. It's called the body of Christ. And this body of Christ can't just be any church. It can't be just someone say, we're a church. It's got to be a church with a very specific foundation. Not on creeds, not on man-made rituals or traditions or commands or expectations or programs or policies or institution. It better be based on Jesus and the word that was given by Him to His apostles. That's it. I get it all the time. So see, as a minister, it's like, so, so what's your creed? This? No, no, like, what's your creed? Do you have, like, some little hand up? This is it. No, no, what's your church? This. This is it. You want to know how to be holy? You want to know how to stay an alien and stranger as a temporary resident because we have a better home? You better be in this. This is the only thing you can survive on. And God made that clear because when I went to Russia, the only thing I have that I originally brought is my Bible. Everything else got stolen or I gave it away. If it was English, so that probably helped. But that was the only thing that I originally brought as a foreigner to Russia that I still have. It was my Bible. Okay, God, I get it. That's all I need. I'm a temporary resident. I don't need to build up my portfolio. I don't need to fill up my savings account. Now, I'm not saying don't be wise. Be wise. Okay? But that shouldn't be our number one desire. Our our number one desire is to be holy. That we're here for a purpose. You were called, you were chosen to call others to be holy. Let us close with Colossians 1, verse 21 through 23. Once you were alienated, once you were a foreigner, you're an alien, you were a stranger to God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight. Who makes you holy? God. God does. Without blemish... And free from accusation. Now, from our perspective, that's untrue, right? Like, Because we know we're blemished. Uh, we can definitely bring up some accusations. But because of Jesus before God, He doesn't see it. I mean, He sees it because He's sovereign and omnipotent and omniscient and all that, but I'm saying He doesn't hold it against us. How amazing is that? If we're just willing to be righteous, to be holy. That yes, we're going to blow it, we're going to sin, confess, repent, and get back up on your feet and remember you're here temporarily. It's that simple. It says, if you continue in your faith, notice it didn't say if you're perfect. Because then we'd all have failed and we might as well just all go eat some cupcakes or something because it's discouraging. No, okay? No. Continue in your faith. So wherever you're at right now, I don't care how bad it is. Get open. And then continue in your faith. Can you do that? Can, any, can all of us do that? Absolutely! That's encouraging. Established and firm. And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. See, I think our hope has gotten too much into the world and less into the other world that this is calling us to. Where are we at with that? Because that's going to determine how holy you're going to be. Where's our hope? That you heard, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Paul could say that. Can we? No. Are there some neighbors that may not have heard yet? So who's going to tell them? Well, someone. 
well, you live there. You're their neighbor. Do you think maybe God is thinking just perhaps that because you're so nearby and you have the gospel and you should remember the hope that it gave you, that maybe you're the one? What about that classmate? Yeah, someone in the campus ministry will eventually get to it. If you're the only disciple in that class, you get to it! Your co-workers? Right? It kind of makes me look at things differently. Like if you get fired from a job, maybe just God saying, okay, you did what you could at that one. I got somewhere else for you to share the light. It may make you wait a little while because there are some of us and we need to pray, amen. But see, you're going to think differently if you're a temporary resident. You don't put your hope in this world. You put your hope in something much greater. And of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That's who we are. That's what it means to be holy. It means to be made holy for His service. We're His servants. So guys, I don't know about you, but as I go into 2018, I want to take this command a little more seriously in my life. And particularly in the harder areas. Be holy in everything you do. God has made us holy. If you don't know if you've been made holy, don't leave without asking someone to open the Bible with you. This is where that hope can be found. And if you've been made holy, then guys, let's take this Scripture seriously. Let's appreciate what God has given us in the church because only together can He build us to be that holy temple. Let's be holy. Amen.